This is The Guardian. Today, Helen Pidd always wanted to be a mum. Can she come to terms with never having a baby? Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Just before we start, I want to let you know that this episode contains a little bit of bad language. So for my Hindu, we'd hired a cottage in the Lake District, quite near Windermere, with a hot tub, and uh, filled the fridge in the kitchen with absolutely masses of booze. And um, it was just such a fun weekend of having my favourite women in the world all together in one place. And Lexi, who was my best woman, had organised this game of Mr and Mrs. I don't know if you know how that game works, but basically it tests how well you know your partner. And so what they'd done is they'd gone and asked Ian, my fiancé as was, a load of questions about our relationship and about me to see, to see how well he knew me. And then they asked me the same questions. And then you kind of compare and contrast. And like it started fairly normal, like well, where was your first kiss? Like who's the better dancer? Who's the better dresser? And then there was just one question which like suddenly sobered me up. And the question was, like, what is your greatest fear? And we're having a right laugh and I was thinking, oh, I know, I know what the real answer is, but if I, should I tell the truth? Because it could kill the vibe a bit. And I sort of thought, well, if you can't be honest with your best friends, then who can you be? So I gave the truthful answer, which was that my greatest fear was to not be able to have children. And this awful hush descended on the room and one of the hens hurriedly filled my glass to the brim with Prosecco. And... It's weird, it kind of, it really stuck with me, that question and my answer to that question in the subsequent years when we were trying and failing to have children. And I mean, it probably doesn't sound very logical, but I just felt really embarrassed by it. And I felt kind of ashamed I'd been so open about it being my greatest fear and that my greatest fear was coming true. Helen Pidd is The Guardian's North of England editor. Like many people, She'd imagined that someday she'd have her own children. She's had to accept that that won't happen for her. And now she's on a journey to seek out the people who are happily child-free, to find a different vision of what her life could become. Over a third of people in the UK say they plan to never have children, according to research from YouGov. And there's a growing community of people who whether child-free by choice or circumstance, are celebrating the freedom that can bring to create bonds that aren't bound by genetics. From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus. Learning to be happy without children.
Helen, did you always think that you wanted to have children? Yeah, it was just something I completely took for granted. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have grown up in a very, very happy household by parents who loved me and clearly enjoyed being parents. And my mum was very career minded. She was a psychiatrist and she only took a couple of months off to have me. She used to go and do her ward rounds and then she'd come back and breastfeed me and then go back to the um, psychiatric hospital where she worked. Um, But I really remember her saying to me, I can't remember when it was, maybe when I was a teenager, that it was one of her great regrets that she hadn't had more children because she just had me and my sister. And there was no sort of, it was just something she almost said in passing really. But I do think that that stuck with me, the idea that, you know, you can have like a really interesting and and well-paid job and be very well educated, but ultimately it's children that provide the ultimate happiness. Well, you were clearly excellent children to her. She (laughs) she wished to have more of you. Um, But so people will know you now as our North of England editor, of course, but you've had several really impressive, exciting roles in journalism before this. You got a job at The Guardian as soon as you graduated. So I'd imagine that in your 20s, your career was a big focus in your life. Did you just expect that at some point, children would just happen for you? Yeah, I mean, the 20s, it was all about going out, having experiences, adventures. And I guess I just thought that when the right time came, I'd be with the right person miraculously. And then, you know, I'd have kids. I guess I knew infertility was the thing, but I just didn't think it would happen to me, no way. And the reason that I waited until I was 36 to start like intensively trying to have children was that it took me that long to meet the right partner. Mm. Um, I never wanted to be a single parent. So my mid-30s were, like early mid-30s were a particular low point. I'd had a long-term relationship that had gone spectacularly wrong. Um, and that was really when my friends started making babies in earnest and you start thinking, uh-oh, right, okay. Uh, okay, well, what I need to do, I need to meet somebody, then I need to be with them at least a year to check that they're not mad and that I do love them. And then, okay, then it might take six months and you start kind of working back in your mind oh um, the time that you're going to need in order to have children. So there was a certain panic, I think, that set in. Well, you did meet your perfect partner. You <laughs> met Ian, um, who's your husband now, and you started trying for a baby Mm -hmm. what was that process like well uh it soon becomes not very romantic when you're actively trying um and it just means that for two weeks of every month you're waiting nervously and hoping and then you're disappointed and you know every time somebody else got pregnant it was just like a dagger to the heart And I would sort of, oh, I'm so happy for you. Uh, But, you know, inside I'd just be like, so unfair. Why is it not working out for me? If you've been trying for, I think it's a year, then you can go and seek fertility advice on the NHS and they do like a series of tests and then you can get referred down the pathway for IVF, which is what happened to us. Um, What was that like? I just felt like my whole life was on hold during this process. And it it was really exacerbated by the fact that this was all happening during COVID times. And I was supposed to have my first embryo transfer, uh, what would have been the first week of the first lockdown um, in 2020. So that just really added to the pain of it all. And we just feel like you're watching your chances slip away. The thing with IVF is it's quite, it's quite a weird one because you have to go into it believing this will work or this could work 
because it's such an invasive, difficult and also expensive procedure that you have to dare to believe in order to put yourself through it. So you sort of, you hope and then every little twinge, you know, you're feeling a little bit sick or you've got a headache and you think, oh, maybe that's the embryo implanting. So you've sort of tortured yourself with all these thoughts. How many rounds of IVF did you go for? So we chose to do three rounds of IVF. When the final one failed, which was in the summer of 2021, it all stretched out over about an 18-month period. We had agreed in advance that that was the end point for us. Um, and I'm glad that we had agreed that because it's always a little bit tempting to think, should we, could we, should maybe just one more go? What do you remember about that moment when the third round had failed and you just had to think, okay, no more? Um. I mean, I was completely devastated. I think I woke up about five in the morning and I thought, right, I'm going to do the test now. And, you know, as soon as you've done this urine test, if you're not pregnant, like it's unambiguous when you see it. And I was really, really upset about it. Um, So I just felt kind of desolate, to be honest. And, you know, I couldn't start thinking about, um, like, I couldn't see beyond how sad it felt. Oh, still get a bit upset um, thinking about Sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. That day, the day that we got the final test, we went up to Sky in Scotland and I really needed that kind of break from it all. But when you're feeling sorry for yourself, you could sort of see signs everywhere. So there was this time when Ian had gone on a bike ride and I was walking along by a lock on Sky. And I was watching these seals. <laughs> it sounds a bit cheesy now. It's like a family of seals. And like there was the mummy seal. And I was watching her kind of basically count all her baby seals as they were plopping into the lock. And I just remember sitting on this rock and it was raining and I was just crying. I allowed myself to be very sad. I had this sort of first very, very, very sad phase. And then I sort of went into manic overdrive phase. Friends, we laugh about this now. I remember going to the pub with a few friends and I was like, it's all fine. I had this laundry list of things that I was going to achieve. Right. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to take a course in bricklaying. I want to be able to build my own house. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to write a novel. I'm going to do this. I think looking back on it, I was, it's all about trying to create an alternative legacy. I think you're like, well, I'm not going to have a child. So I need to sort of give birth to something. I need to create something. Yes. And then the thing that probably helped me more than anything else was this new friendship that me and Ian began um, with two amazing women who are younger than us called Mia and Laura mm. who were in a band and they moved up just before lockdown to Manchester and Ian joined their band on bass and they're very cool very fun people and they just, just they, they knew they didn't want to have children they have this vision for their old age they and other friends without children are all gonna buy into the same big property and then they're gonna live there as a sort of mutually supportive community to grow old disgracefully and I don't know I found that very exciting and kind of empowering and that really was the start of me trying to turn around my thinking about yeah the second half of my life and how it was going to look and that's why I decided to set off on a journey both metaphorically and also physically to explore the community of child-free women, people who are child-free by choice, people who had made that very deliberate decision, and to talk to them about why they reached that decision and how they envisaged the second halves of their lives going. 
But there was something about returning to Berlin, a place that I've always associated with fun and freedom, because when I was the correspondent there, I was 30 when I when the plane touched down. And um, I remember before I left, I was having a birthday party in the pub and I was holding the baby of one of my first friends, actually, who, to have children. And I love babies. I still love them now. And I remember holding this baby and thinking... One day, one day, this will be mine, but not right now. And yeah, I associate Berlin with just the good times and kind of hedonism and building my career. And I thought there was a certain amount of poetry returning to Berlin 12 years later, having been through so much. And I just, I liked the idea of retracing my footsteps from those times and and having these, what turned out to be pretty deep and and genuinely life-changing conversations. So in Berlin, you went to meet the founders of We Are Child Free. Yeah, so We Are Child Free is the the brainchild of a photographer called Zoe Noble, who's from Newcastle, and her husband, James Glazebrook. Um, And it it just started life as a photographic project. Zoe herself had just never felt the urge to have children, but she was bothered by the stereotypes of of child-free women um, in the public eye. So she put a call out on her blog and asked for people who'd chosen not to have children to come into her studio and, and be photographed. I wanted to create a project that would not build more walls between parents and non-parents because we get nowhere when we do that. And if you know people can see that there are many different ways that they can live their lives, I think we're going to have a happier society, right? You spoke to James about what his experience was like as a child-free man and, and making that decision. What stood out to you about the way James talked about his experiences of being child-free? What stood out was how the doctors responded to him when he went in to ask for a vasectomy versus the experience that Zoe, his wife, had when she was in absolute agony with fibroids. Yeah, and just just in case people aren't aware of what fibroids are, they're... They're growths, aren't they? Non-cancerous growths that are in or around your womb. And as you say, they can be incredibly painful for people. Yeah. She was begging to have a hysterectomy to take away the pain. I was 37. I'm, you know, I don't need, I I knew I didn't want children. Uh, And my doctor, she shut me down and said, we're not going to talk about that. That made me realise that my fertility was being prioritised over my treatment. The way he tells it, he walked into the doctors, had like a five minute conversation. Have you got kids? No. Do you want kids? No. Cool. And that was the end of it. It was so easy. And I think um, like 35, not even an are you sure or anything. And then he just like got me booked in. Such a stark contrast to Zoe's Mm. and uh, lots of women's experience. Well, yeah, I'm sure a lot of women listening to this are going to relate to not being believed or taken seriously when they go to their doctors about fertility or reproductive choices. And so Zoe and James have used what they've been through to try and help other child-free people be seen. They've built this whole community. How's it grown since that first photography project they did? It's become almost like a multimedia child-free empire now. They've got uh, We Are Child-Free merchandise that you can buy. You can buy these T-shirts that say tubes tied and ready to ride and wow. no bun in this oven. And they have real-life meetups. And I, I went to one of them um, in Berlin in a natural wine shop to meet um, yeah, to meet their members. Our seven-year-old niece came to stay. And then what happened? with me and my sister. 
and afterwards, after the weekend, he kept telling everyone, like, I want to be like my aunt when I have babies, I'm just going to throw them in the trash can so I don't have to deal with them. Zoe and James have really made it their mission to, to say to child-free people, you can be proud of this. What do you make of that kind of staunchly child-free, the kind of T-shirt thing? Because that's obviously coming from a, a different perspective to where you're coming to this from. I don't want to be defined by the fact that I don't have children for whatever reason. So it's not for me. But then if you think about how child-free women have been demonized and marginalized, mm. if they are so proud that they want to reclaim that identity and literally wear it on a T-shirt, cool. I think yeah. that that's great and good on them. Well, I find it infuriating that in 2023, women still get stigmatised for choosing to not have children. And I know that you've been speaking to someone who, back in the 70s, declared publicly that they didn't want kids, when society was more hostile towards childless women. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, everybody in the child-free community has said, you've got to talk to her. <laughs> So, <laughs> so you are the guru, the child-free guru. Um, well, they call me the pioneer, the guru, you know, I mean, almost 50 years of doing this, yeah. Well, one of the most inspiring people that I spoke to is an eight-year-old woman from Long Island in the USA, and she's called Marsha Drut Davis. And she's on Instagram as childfree underscore guru. And she really was a trailblazer. We said, oh my God, we're child-free. We're not childless. We don't have to worry about it. And I became, at that point and forever, passionately trying to get people to understand that this is a viable choice. Her story was that in the 1970s, she was working as a primary school and elementary school teacher. When she gave an interview to 60 Minutes, a US news program, in which she was open about the fact that she and her husband at the time had decided they didn't want to have children. When are you going to have a baby? That, without doubt, is the question young married couples hear most. After all, isn't that what the American dream is all about? They ended up being talked into, being filmed, telling her in-laws that they didn't want to have children. 60 Minutes went along as they broke the news. This was something inside of me that said, I don't really think I want to be a mother. And it bothered me. I thought, my God, Marsha, there's something wrong with you. A child is very important in, in a family life. And later in life, you would have no one but the two of you, each other, then what? My mother-in-law was sobbing. Yeah. And my then-husband was sitting there looking at his parents and then me without a word. If you can imagine, in two hours, a man saying nothing. But I was the bitch. I was the woman who was a godless bitch who didn't want to have children. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting to hear from Marsha is is the repercussions from that interview. She said that she was sacked from her job as a teacher. And how quickly did this lead to you losing your job? The next day. Wow. I was supposed to go every single day. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I didn't get a call. It was the first time that I didn't get a call. Mm -hmm. And the second day I didn't get a call. And the third day I didn't get a call. And I turned to Warren and I said, what's going on? He goes, oh, my God, I think what you said may have made people feel you don't like children. People would pick it, events, when she went to talk. She was a complete outcast. I was terrified because right after that, 
I suddenly got death threats. Um, I was told, you better be careful with your dog. You're not even responsible enough to have a dog. Mm -hmm. That anxiety that that produced, that terror, the loss of an income like that, the loss to my pension even now at 80, mm -hmm. which is a lot of money. Yeah. People mischaracterized her as unnatural and uncaring and cold. And if you talk to Marsha, she's anything but those things. I was pretty shocked at, at just how vilified Marsha was. And she kind of feels like she's been vindicated now, now that the child-free movement is really burgeoning. And she's the poster girl, and she's absolutely loving it. She runs child-free cruises, and she's always posting um, pictures on Instagram of her amazing child-free life. On the question of what happens when you get old, she's very much in demand. And she was just saying, you know, you've got to prepare. You've got to take responsibility for your own old age. And that means good financial planning is one of her top tips. And But the more poignant one for me is what she calls heart connections. Make heart connections to younger people and older people. <laughs> yeah. That heart connection to authentic, real loving people because they're the ones that will visit you and they're the ones that will help you and they're the ones that um, will care. I found that pretty inspiring to hear from her. Yeah, that is really something that we all need to think about is keeping young people in our lives somehow because otherwise we can get stuck in our way of thinking. We can get stuck in the past. You know, as adults, we also need to be learning from young people. Yeah, totally. I mean, I have loads of children in my life. Like most importantly, when I got married, I became a stepmom. So I've got a 13-year-old stepdaughter. Um, and obviously I love her, but what's kind of important for me to try and explain is that I don't see myself as a third parent. She's got two parents. I'm like an extra invested adult in her life who kind of cares about her hopes and dreams. I've got godchildren. I'm a very enthusiastic auntie, um, so I've got lots of children in my life. I, I think that this idea of sort of building a community, being a good neighbour, being an active member of your community, these are all things which are going to stand you in better stead if you're lucky enough to be healthy and alive, you know, in retirement. Yeah, in LGBTQ communities, we have the concept of a chosen family, you know, finding the people who may not be related to you, but who will support you and who you can support as well. You know, since you started thinking about what your life might look like without children, has that concept resonated with you? Definitely, definitely. Building your own network and your own community. And I, I really enjoy talking to other women in particular who don't have children, whether that's by choice or it just didn't happen. Like I'm a member of a women's only cycling club in Manchester. So there's all kinds of women in there, quite a lot of lesbian women. Some of them have children, some of them don't. For some of them, it's been a source of sadness for others, you know, incredible liberation. Um, and I think knowing as I do now, so many other women and other couples that don't have children, I find that really helpful. And I think if all of my friendship group, if everybody but me had kids, it would be incredibly lonely. It would feel quite stifling and I wouldn't be able to kind of exploit the freedom that comes with not having children. Marsha told you that she lost her job as a teacher because of this stupid assumption 
that people who don't want children of their own are somehow uncaring. And you've been speaking to a nanny about that, haven't you, who lives and works in Berlin. She's called Lizzie. I was really keen to talk to Lizzie about the stereotype that still pervades with child-free women, this idea that they are child-hating and that they, you know, you hand them a baby and they hold the baby as if it's a bomb and just want to <laughs> give it back. And Lizzie has devoted her life to, to caring for children, particularly young babies. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. What sort of things have people said to you about not having kids? Yeah. Have you ever been, there's a sort of idea that those without children are kind of selfish. Yeah, that's the big one. It's That's the biggest one. It's like, you're selfish, you'll realise when you're old, when you're surrounded by your material things, that you're really sad and unhappy, or you're going to be a cat lady. I don't know why cats are always, you know first thing that gets thrown at a single woman but it's just like you're just going to be alone and depressed and it's like I would be so depressed if I was surrounded by four screaming kids. She says that she's realized she doesn't want to have her own because she's like it is a hard job to be a good parent really hard. You need patience, you need dedication. So that's one of the reasons. She's also got quite a few brothers and sisters and she she played quite a key role in, in bringing them up. My mum got pregnant with my brother when she was 40. I was the eldest at 19, so I took care of him a lot. She just says that at the end of the day, she wants to go back to her own space and have her own time to pursue her own kind of dreams and passions. That's how she explains it. I just know 10 million percent that I just have absolutely no desire to be a mother. Like... It sounds so weird saying out loud, even though I'm sure. It's just like, I love children, I love being around them, but it has a cap for me. And I'm just like, if it was my own child, of course there's something called unconditional love, and you would put up with a lot more than you do with somebody else's child. As time went on, I kind of thought, well, why am I a nanny? Why do I like looking after other people's kids? What type of people's children do I want to look after? And it's always women that really want to go for something, but also have a strong desire to be a mum and know that they just can't do it alone. You need help. Every person needs help. Mm -hmm. They just have to admit it or not. It could be a grandparent, it could be a friend, or it could be a paid professional, but Mm -hmm. you can't do it alone. Do you ever sort of think of yourself as a role model for children? Yeah, I definitely feel like I am, especially in the job that I do. And sometimes I still stay in touch with the baby that that I've looked after, and I go back and see them. Like, there's one particular girl, I just, I think she's amazing. I had her from when she was... I think four months old until she was two and she's five now and we're like buddies. I think it's going to be really important for these for the children growing up now to just see women living great lives. Yeah and and doing really good jobs and enjoying other things. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah thank you. Listening to your conversation with Lizzie it's so clear that she knows that this is the right decision for her but and lots of women will find this that various people will tell you that you don't know your own mind or you you may feel like that now but the biological clock will start ticking yeah it's incredibly patronizing isn't it that people think that just because 
they feel a certain way, everybody else should. So all of the women that I spoke to who were child-free by choice have encountered the kind of meddling opinions of others. Sometimes their loved ones saying, you'll change your mind. Come on, surely. You know, it's the whole point of life. Um, you know, Lizzie's a, a black woman. She thinks that in the black community, it's particularly this idea that it's your duty as a woman to have children, to kind of be a good wife. And I guess this is something that I didn't... I think I was so busy feeling sorry for myself and my own predicament. I didn't really think about the pressures that child-free women by choice face. I'm in my early 30s and I think I'm fairly lucky that I haven't had growing up the sort of pressure that Lizzie described Mm. to you, um, you know, from my family or other people in my community. But I am finding that now I'm starting to get those invasive questions about when I'll be having children. And I just wonder, why do people think they've got the right to ask that? Because they really don't know in asking that what you're going through. They may not know if you've got fertility problems, let alone whether you want to have a child. I really think anybody who has had fertility problems would not ask that question because they know how much pain that they can, that that question can bring. Um, People would say, oh, when? And or they'd start like, Sometimes people would tap their watch saying, oh, time's ticking. Oh, my God. I don't know how I managed not to lamp all of these people. And it became so painful when, you know, when we were struggling to have children. There comes a tipping point, though, when you start to look old and then people think, oh, maybe there's something going on here. And then people stop asking the question. Um, but, yeah, I hate Don't ask people this question. Coming up, another question that child-free people hate How can you leave a legacy if you don't have kids? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Helen, some people who are child-free feel this pressure that with all that supposed extra time they've got, they need to be doing something extraordinary. You said that when you realised you weren't going to have kids, you went into overdrive thinking of all the things you should achieve, writing a novel, you know, just casually. Now that you've spent time with people in Berlin, do you feel less pressure to be doing things to leave a legacy? I found it very helpful and they were very optimistic about how they were going to spend their next few decades and the freedom that was afforded to them. Something that James said really stuck with me, which is that there shouldn't be this pressure that if you don't have children, you have to do something sensational with your life. For sure, people are people we know are creating amazing businesses or being leaders and traveling the world, but they are also um, just at home maybe with their fur babies and just having a cup of tea and watching TV and and enjoying their life. And what we're trying to do is like share as many stories as possible to let people know that your life can look any kind of way and that's fine. You've just got to live a life that makes you happy. And he was saying, you know, if that means being at home with your dog watching telly, cool, so be it. It sounds like doing this reporting was really inspiring for you. And you've met these incredible people along the way. But it must have just brought up so many feelings about the way you've viewed your own life and the way you want to live your own life. What are the main things that you think you'll take away from this? I did wonder when I kind of embarked on this voyage of discovery, entering the child-free by choice world, whether I would be accepted or whether that community would just be like, you freak, why did you want children? You know, (laughs) and it wasn't like that at all. Like they basically kind of metaphorically speaking, actually sometimes literally (laughs) wrapped me up in a hug and said, we're here for you and understanding my pain. So they were very, very compassionate. But then they offered a really optimistic vision of the future, which I find really, really helpful. And particularly talking to Marsha, I think probably more than anybody else, her at 80 years old, having seen a lot, having been made an outcast for having the temerity to say on national television in the US that she liked kids, but she didn't want any of her own. To kind of hear what she's been through. But then for her to be so compassionate to me, and giving me really good advice for the future about making these heart connections and about being part of a community. We were having a Zoom call and we were just saying goodbye. Thank you so much for your time. You're an inspiration. She blew me a kiss and she said, you know, if you're ever feeling sad, I want you to ring me up in Long Island. I am here for you. We're here for you. 
please feel free if you're ever feeling sad or anything to reach out to me. Oh, thank you so if much. I get it. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. So I feel I feel a lot less alone after reporting this story. You know, I'm a little bit nervous about doing it and sitting here talking to you now about how it's going to be received, but I hope that in talking about it and being open about how painful it can be, but also op- offering this kind of optimistic vision, I'm hoping that it might touch other people who have also felt alone and give them a bit of hope that all is not lost if you can't have children and you wanted to. Helen, thank you so much for doing it. Thank you so much. That was Helen Pidd. Please have a read of her article about this. It's called, Not Being Able to Have a Baby Was Devastating. Then I Found People Who Embraced a Child-Free Life. That's at theguardian.com. If you've been affected by what you've heard today and you want support in coming to terms with not having children of your own, you can contact the charity Fertility Network UK on 01424 732 361. Marsha Drutt Davis, who you heard from in this episode, has written two books about her experiences, which you might want to read. And then Zoe Noble, who you also heard from, has her own podcast, which I'd really recommend, in which she talks to people from around the world about their decisions to not have kids. It's called We Are Child Free. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by Ruth Abrahams and sound designed by Solomon King. The executive producer was Elizabeth Cassim. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.